Hey, you scruffy-looking nerf herders. Welcome to Records of the Republic, a podcast where we talk about all things Star Wars, from canon to the EU to Legends content and more. We are your hosts, Wade and Kevin, and we're going to make the jump to light speed as we try to tackle today's topic of conversation with you. Strap yourself in, and don't get cocky, as we embark on this journey together into the Star Wars universe. Hey guys, welcome back to Records of the Republic. Tonight, we are covering the somewhat controversial, kind of controversial, some people liked it, some people, listen, I I found it's very polar, like, there aren't any neutral stances on The Last Jedi. Either you really liked it, or you really didn't. But, something I found today, talking to people on Twitter, is that a lot of people are more open to differences of opinion now more now more so than when the movie first came out and within that like first year afterwards um before we get into all of that my name's Wade I am one one part one portion one quarter portion of records of the republic yeah I got the thumbs up from Kevin that means I I did well that was a good one I I did something like that uh I was on the way home from work and and Penny was trailing me cuz we we both left my mom's house at the same time and uh, she was telling me all the things she does and doesn't like about the Last Jedi and the sequels. And she's like, "Isn't this character? Wasn't they? Weren't they on this planet? And wasn't this character connected to that character?" And I, I, at the end of it, I just let her go through all of her questions. And I said, "Amazing! Every bit of what you just said was wrong." <laughs> and I was like, "Ah, that is my new favorite line." I hate to say that too because it's from this movie, but it was it was just the perfect. It fit in so many different ways. Um, so I, I was really happy about that. Anyway, join with me tonight is Kevin and Alex, our Kevin and Alex. How are you guys doing? Doing well. I'm having a, having a good week. Good. Really good week. I'm, and I'm very excited for this. Good week is better than bad week. Sunday. That's right. I watched this movie on Sunday and I've been itching to do this ever since. I watched it last night and I had a feeling because of that tweet. I was, well, you mean the tweet today, the Poe Dameron one? I actually did that because last week when we, the day we went to record for The Force Awakens, I decided to do a Lore Santeca. So I own, the only reason I mimicked that was because I did that for Force Awakens. So I figured, well, it'd be fitting to do something from The Last Jedi. And of course, that's also one of my favorite lines in the movie. Um, So it, it was just, it was perfectly fitting. Alex, how has your week been? It was good. I was looking forward to this conversation. I didn't get to yeah. rewatch it, so it's probably Ooh. been about a month. And when I last watched it, it was via the director's commentary. That's um, right. You watched is, it recently. Yeah, about a month ago or so. Um, but I definitely recommend anyone to watch it with that director's commentary. I know it's available on Disney Plus, and I'm sure it's available on most of the physical copies that were released, but it's it, totally worth it. It's worth the you know two hour rewatch of the film. Um, it's only with Ryan Johnson. It was recorded before the film was theatrically released, so it's like a weird time capsule moment of huh. TLJ before any fan reaction. I didn't realize that that was available on Disney Plus. 
Yeah. Me either. So I am I now, I, I am not going to watch it immediately because one viewing a month is more than enough for that movie. Um, but I will probably rewatch it next month with that, with that, um, you know, commentary on it. Cause that does sound interesting. I do want to hear from him, his perspective on, on the movie. Um, so I, I I'm going to definitely have know, to check that out. I know that when I watch that, it will change my perspective on the movie. I don't, I don't know that it'll change my perspective, but maybe it'll help me understand his perspective a little more. And, but that will make me enjoy it more understanding where he was coming from. I don't know. I just know that from past things. And that that's awesome. I don't know that it'll have that effect on me. I mean, it'd be nice that it would, but I don't know that it will just because I've got too many issues with this movie at times. Um, yeah. That's that's just how I'm at. Yeah, that's where I'm at on it. A um, couple of things to cover news-wise. We've got a lot of Star Wars birthdays today, um, which I've been seeing circulate on, on uh, Twitter. We've got Nick Nolte. Uh, who was the voice of Queel? His birthday's today, so happy birthday. Uh, Din, Jarmer, Din Djarin's armor wearer in the movie, Brendan Wayne, his birthday is today. We've got Liam McIntyre, who played Taron Malakos in Jedi Fallen Order. I don't know if you guys remember him. He was the Sith or Fallen Jedi on uh, Dathomir that you had to face in oh, the game. Yeah, yeah. And then he also played Commander Pyre, in the Star Wars Resistance show. So it's his birthday today. Seth Green, his birthday is today. He played Toto, which is the little droid companion to Cad Bane. Um, so Seth Green's birthday. He's also the creator, director. He does all the robot chicken stuff. So if you've seen any of his Star Wars robot chicken stuff, I personally find it hilarious. I think he's, he's fantastic. Um, but so it's his birthday today. And then... Of course, the master himself, John Williams, turned 92 today. So, quite a few Star Wars birthdays, um, which is kind of cool. Let's see, a couple other things of news. We got another clip. I don't know if you guys got to see it, but we got another small snippet of uh, Bad Batch Season 3. Of what, see, it looks like it's the season premiere. And I won't spoil too much. You guys can decide to watch it if you want to. But it was kind of interesting. It's a little little commentary between a couple of the main characters. And uh, nothing really groundbreaking, I would say. I don't think there's anything too new in terms of character development or anything like that. Um, but it was interesting to see that. Very happy about that. Uh, the video game Star Wars Outlaws has been confirmed by Ubisoft. Ubisoft. How do you pronounce that name? Is it Ubisoft? There is a way to it's mine. Okay. I'm going to say Ubisoft. Um, they're confirming that their Star Wars Outlaws game is going to be released by the end of 2024. So we're going to have another Star Wars video game to look forward to this year. That's still too vague, though, don't you think? No, I don't I don't think so. They, they're saying it is confirmed that it'll be by the end of this year. That I just don't feel like it means much without a date. I, I get, and I think we will get a date coming up here in a little while. Um, as they hammer out some of the final details and stuff like that. But, I mean, the fact that they're able to say, come out and, and say, yeah, we're we're definitely coming out with it at the end of 2024. We're just not sure what day is going to be. That That's encouraging to me. 
I'm just excited that it means it's coming out, e- even if it were to get pushed to like January 2025. I'm excited that they're saying, hey, it's going to be sooner rather than later. Because my thought process is we weren't going to get it well until well into 2025. So yeah, 2024, even early 2025, that means we have roughly less than a year before this new Star Wars game is released, which is super exciting. And Maybe I w- I'll get a compatible console between now and then. It's worth it, man. It it is re- so. It's not that I don't it. think it's worth it. I just haven't had the money. Yeah, I know. Well, that's because you just bought a nice house. That's that's right. Priorities. Yep. Some of us have them, and some of us don't. <laughs> um, and then another bit of news. I don't know if you guys saw this, but this really kind of shook me a little bit. Uh, Empire Magazine posted a very vague post on Twitter. And it says, tomorrow in all caps, 4 p.m. in all caps. And it's just a picture of a bunch of, you know, stars in the background, black with stars. And across the title, it says, hello there, dot, dot, dot. And I just, I know I just dropped this bomb on Kevin (laughs) because the look on your face tells me that that threw you. So there's a lot of chatter going on as to what it's going to be. And the two main opinions, first, that it's going to be something serious regarding the Acolyte, um, some serious, you know, tangible news that we're going to get. Or the second and my favorite, and I think a lot of people's favorites, is that they're going to have some insight knowledge as to a Kenobi season two. And I don't want to get too excited for this. Because, you know, we've said we'd be okay if we don't get a season two, but I would also be extremely thrilled and excited if we do get a season two. You said tomorrow at 4? 4 p.m. I think Mountain Standard Time is what they said. So what is that, 6 or 7 p.m. our time? I think it's two hours, so it would be 6. Okay. so No, it's going to be – it's earlier in the day for us than that, I believe. No, because they're if it's mountain time, we're we're ahead of them. So it's either two or three hours, I think, that we're ahead of mountain time on the East Coast. So it'll it'll be around six or seven for us, um, for us to be able to see it. But here's my thing. A lot of people are saying, no, it's not going to be Kenobi season two. In my opinion... You're not going to use that specific verbiage and that verbiage only if it's not related to Kenobi in some form. And we just got those comments from Ewan. I know. That's what I'm saying. We've been having some little things dropped here and there that's just kind of like, ah, they haven't canceled. They haven't said no. There's no way we're doing it. But they also haven't, like, confirmed anything whatsoever. So, but the big thing, the big focus here is hello there. I mean – that's just that's there's a, only one. There's no way that they're using that for something else. I yeah. I cannot imagine them doing that because there are going to be a lot of very upset fans if they if, if they misused that. But regardless, sure. we've got some big news we'll coming out. tomorrow. Uh, super excited about that. Well, for people that listen to this, it'll probably be after it's already out. So yes, that's talk to us that's on true. About it. Uh, oh yeah, we'll be up, dude. I have been so actively on Twitter today, it's not even funny. Like 
every bit of downtime I had in between jobs, it's been constant, like talking to people, replying, because this is one of the posts we've had the most activity on um, in quite a while. I mean, we had, let me pull it up here. We should become a Last Jedi focused podcast. <laughs> no, I don't know if I can do a whole podcast on just that. I'm sure you could. <laughs> um, so I, I tweeted. Tonight, we continue our opinion series with Star Wars The Last Jedi, and we want to hear from you. Where were you when it was released? How did you initially feel about the film? Did your opinion change over time? Let's hear it. We've had over a 1,000 views, 17 replies, which I think some of those are mine. A couple of folks ended up emailing us voicemails, which we'll be playing a little later. Um, But it's really cool. Like As you look through the thread, you see a lot of very different answers but there was a common theme amongst those answers and that theme was for the most part i'm happy other people liked it if they didn't like it and if they did they were like i understand why you may not like it there was a lot of that going on in the in the comments so it was really cool to have some of these open conversations and i think this is the silent majority of star wars fans who you know do kind of understand that, no, it may not have been for everyone. That may not have been for you, but it spoke to me in in a way that helped me, you know, in some form or another. And so it was just, it was really refreshing to have these conversations with these folks who are like, it's okay to like or dislike something. We can still be friends. Um, so that was awesome. That was, it was, it was a very refreshing afternoon, especially when you consider the movie we were talking about. And then my last bit of news, which I'm super, super stoked about. I may be trying to get a drink with Paul, bitter Asian dude. Because <laughs> um, I tweeted um, today, how about that drink I promised you for coming out my way? A while ago, I had tweeted that I would get him a drink or drinks were on me if he were to come to a Comic-Con in our area. Now, originally I thought, Raleigh because Raleigh's like 30 minutes, 45 minutes from my house and the same Comic-Con that I'm going to in Richmond also does one in Raleigh. So I thought, yeah, there there's a chance he might come to the Raleigh one. But because he's coming to the Richmond one and I'm going to the Richmond one, I figured, well, I'll reach out to him and let him know, "Hey, I'm going to be there. I will be paying to meet you." And I'm going to remind you that drinks are on me. So I am, I'm also going to ask him how to pronounce his last name on there. I mean, that's probably the first question coming out of my mouth when I go to meet him. <laughs> so No, I, don't ask him that. Find, figure that out ahead of time. No, I, I just I want to know from his lips, hey, how exactly do you pronounce your last name? Because I want to be respectful. I don't want to go up and, and assume that the pronunciation that I found online that someone said, oh, yeah, this is how you say it. I don't want to be wrong in that regard. So I think it would, I, it. I think I it's it. more respectful. I do the same thing with my customers when I come to houses and they've got a foreign name that I, I have no idea how to pronounce. I just respectfully say, hi, Mr. George, you know, I, I, how do you pronounce your last name? <laughs> like that? And it's that simple. Cause I, I want to know genuinely how best to address them. So I want to be respectful in that regard. 
but I will be letting him know that I am the records of the Republic account that keeps tagging him in stupid tweets. <laughs> and but he retweeted it, and then I I, uh, yeah. I I sent a response after that. Um, let me see if I can pull it up here because he also liked and and uh, responded to that one too. Um, he had oh he he retweeted it <laughs> with a gif. And it said, see, respect. And it's him. Because that's what he does. He retweets a lot of tweets that mention him. And so I responded and said, I'll see you in March. And I did the little beer glasses clinking emoji. So we'll see. I mean, odds are probably not high that I'm going to get a drink with him. But how freaking cool would that be? Like, It would be cool. Just the possibility. that The possibility is there. So I'm, I'm... I'm not getting my hopes up, but I'm getting my hopes up. You're getting your hopes up. (laughs) So anyway, it has been a fun day on Twitter. Uh, Guys, do we have any other news to announce? Anything else that I missed? Alex, I know you're usually our news guy. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take that spotlight from you. No, let's get into it, man. I know Kevin's excited to talk TLJ, so let's just hop in. Sweet. Getting into... The last opinion, or yeah, the I guess it would have to be the last opinion because there's no other form of fitting the that opinion word in Jedi. There. The opinion Jedi. All right, getting in. So as we've said before, we scale these movies on a five point scale for each category, with five categories and a total potential score of twenty five points. Uh, the categories are characters, music, effects, plot, and overall entertainment. This is also the first movie that I've really taken notes, like written down notes that bothered me um, outside of just writing down the scores. So it was, it was kind of interesting. Um, I watched the movie last night again, and I did go into it trying to be very open-minded. And there, I do have some higher scores. So it's not all tanked across the board. I don't want anyone to worry about that. Um, but... I'd say let's just dive in. So first category, characters. Kevin, what did you give the movie for characters? All right. So this, like many of my scores, I don't feel like the score, you can't just take the score at face value because there are hot and cold things all throughout this movie. But I gave a 3.7 out of 5, which for me is a very low score for characters. Right. Because characters are normally... I normally love all the characters, and I do love the characters, but um, I have one really long point and then some smaller ones. Sure. So I'll start with the really long ones. I think that Ray is more like Luke than Luke is in this movie. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. She is very hopeful. She refuses to accept that he's not the same Luke from before. It just it reminds me of, of Luke from the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, there are moments throughout the movie where I did feel like Luke was there, you know, maybe a, a piece of dialogue or something where I said, okay, that's him. I, I can get with that. Um, I don't even necessarily have a problem with him in this movie, how he's written, how he, how he acts. It really is everything before this movie that I have a problem with and just don't feel like Luke would do. Now I'm wrong, right? It's canon. Luke would do it. He did do it. Um, but it's probably the biggest issue that I have is what they decided to do with him 
Sure. Now, the conversation for me becomes tough, and I found myself battling with it throughout the movie because he can't be the same guy that he was in the original trilogy. There has to be some develop some character development. I just didn't like that he had gone the complete opposite direction to what I would have thought. Yeah. Um, I did feel like as soon as he reconnected to the Force, he was back. Like, it, it really was a paradigm shift. And once, once he made that connection again, I felt like we had Luke back. So that right there kind of softens my opinion. And uh, I found myself throughout really enjoying this movie. Spoiler alert, I would consider myself a fan of this movie, whereas before I would not have. Ooh. Um, yes. Okay. So I assume we'll probably get into more Luke stuff. As, as we all discuss, but Leia and Poe together are fantastic. Yes. Um, every, everything that they do is, is awesome. I felt like the dialogue was really good, um, even for Luke, outside of a couple clunky moments, like the, the spark line that people like to quote. And I really just hate when Finn calls Phasma Chrome Dome. <laughs> See, I love that. Hate it. Hate it. <laughs> And you but know, I, I do like the characters. It's funny because that was some of the some of the commentary, you know, replies that we got on Twitter were people saying the humor didn't really fit in a lot of places and stuff I like that. But I loved like Chrome Dome. I crack up when I hear that. Like that that screams something Finn would say, in my opinion. I think if Finn was handled better, then it might be it might fit, but the way they handle him kind of makes him seem kind of dopey at times. and Yeah, I, I like would it. agree with that. That's fair. Alex, what did you give characters? So I went with four out of five, and my only real character points are regarding Hux and Finn. Um, and I think we all agree with Finn's characterization being quite lacking. You know, I want to see the the cut of The Last Jedi, the Finn cut, the one where we get a couple of deleted scenes reinserted. Um, you know, if you just listen to the director's commentary, there's not many notes about John Boyega or the Finn character whatsoever, which is disappointing. So you kind of have to parse what you can from the deleted scenes and, you know, from other extra behind the scenes material. But there's a lot of deleted scenes featuring Finn, like probably close to 15 minutes worth of scenes. And just imagining if those are reinserted. Yeah, it's a lot of, you know, great moments um, from early in the film and from the middle of the film, um, especially on Snoke's ship, the supremacy. So there's a lot of character beats and moments that I think we were looking for for Finn that we missed. Um, And the type of moments that really make the leap from, you know, what we saw in The Force Awakens to him feeling the Force in The Rise of Skywalker kind of feel like a bit of a jump for some. Um but beyond that with Hux, again, like I mentioned this, I think last week, I didn't like um, how Hux went from being kind of imposing in The Force Awakens to, you know, really a, a doorstop in this movie. I mean, he was right. really just slapped around. He was used for jokes more than anything else. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that just didn't work for me. So, yeah, four out of five. And for Dylan, because um, I have his notes again. Um, he gave it a three out of five saying Kylo and Ray develop well as characters for sure, but it's like they left Finn at the Tashi station to pick up power converters and forgot him. <laughs> Rose feels like a forced character, but I do not believe that she deserved as much hate as she received from the community. 
my overall least favorite character makes her appearance and then leaves, and that is Vice Admiral Holdo. The truly needless power struggle between her and Poe would have done the movie better if it wasn't present. I also believe that what was done with Luke was not what was expected, but for this movie, it fit well. He is meant to be somewhat like Yoda on Dagobah or Kenobi on Tatooine. I gotta, I gotta address the Haldo thing. Completely disagree. I do feel like her character was just thrown in. We don't know anything about her. I don't know that there's been much about her in other content, but I found myself paying a lot of attention to her in this one. And I loved what she, everything she did, everything she had to say to Poe. Mm-hmm. Like, Poe's a hotshot pilot, thinks he knows what he's talking he about. She, and she just wasn't having it. Like, I'm, I don't have to tell you anything. I'm here. I'm in command. I know what I'm doing. Back off. I respected that. I thought it, I thought it was a, a cool character arc. Incomplete, but cool. I don't know that I agree with that. But. First of all, my score for characters is 2.5 out of 5. Wow. Yep. Um, Poe, I liked his character. I thought his character was, you know, thorough through and through. I thought it was, you know, that that is what I expect from, you know, an ace hotshot pilot who thinks he's all that. Um, You know, he got a little too big for his britches at times and he got put in his place. I agree with that. There's a chain of command. There's a chain of command for a reason. Um. You know, I think his interactions with Leia, pretty great. Um, I think Leia, the only issue I had with her character for the most part was the whole Mary Poppins space scene. That that's the only that was the only issue I had with it. Um, Leia, I thought, did a good job. Um, I don't think there's anything there. Luke, very disappointing. Um, part of that's just personally. I don't think the man who wouldn't give up on the second most evil guy in the world would give up on his nephew who's still under his tutelage um, in the way that he did. Granted, I know everyone's human. Everyone has, you know, weak points in their life. Um, I just, I don't see that happening. I don't, I don't see him having that moment of weakness where he's looking at killing his nephew in, in, in his sleep like that. That's just, Nowhere. That's not Luke. Um, and part of me is partial because that's not Luke we saw in the o- OT. Part of me is partial to he that. He admits that, though. Part of me is partial. He admits that during the movie. Part of me is partial to that because I want to finish my point. Because that's not how Luke is in the EU. And granted, I know EU has nothing to do with canon, um, even more so than na- now than before. But I, it's just not – now, I, I don't have a problem with Luke being a hermit other than it's already been done before. Um, I don't have a problem with that, you know. But the the whole reason for him being a hermit and everything, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think the whole him him cutting his nephew down in sleep. You know, or, you know, even having that thought, I don't think that thought would have crossed his mind. Now, granted, my my opinion of Luke doesn't matter, ultimately, because I don't own the rights to the character. Mark Hamill disagreed with the direction of the character originally, um, and whether he changed his mind because he truly believed in in, you know, the difference of direction 
or to smooth things over so that they could promote it. You know, I, I don't know any of the reasoning for him changing his mind, but he, he himself said, this isn't Luke. And I, I have to agree with him on that. I don't think that's Luke. Everything else about Luke, you know, being disgraced on the island, you know, being a hermit, disconnected from the force, all that fun stuff. I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. You know, I think he could have done that regardless of, you know, the temple falling to Kylo. But the reason Kylo fell and that being the turning point, I just, I don't see that happening. Um, Kylo, I thought was a decent character through and through. I didn't have any issues with him. Had an issue with Snoke. He, uh, Snoke had the same issue with Kylo at the beginning of the film that I had with him in The Force Awakens. You know, he addresses him and says, how did you essentially let this girl who's never held a lightsaber before, you know, basically whip your butt? So I had that same issue with Kylo, so I agreed with Snoke then. And then, like, you get to the end of the film and it's like he gets cut in half and I just, I don't see that as being, you know, especially knowing now that Snoke is Palpatine, like... I, I just don't see that happening. I don't see Kylo being able to pull a blindfold over him, you know, in the force. I, I that anyway. So Snoke was a wasted character. And that's that's a big disappointment for me because he was built up to be something very serious in the Force Awakens and then he turned out to be really not much in the last Jedi. Um he clearly showed at the beginning of the movie that he was far more powerful than than Kylo. But then at the end, he basically just wimped out and we got nothing from him, you know? So I don't, I don't see that as believable. I agree. I don't think Rose should get the hate that she does. Um, I didn't care for the character all that much. I don't know if it's because of how she and Finn interacted. Um, as a whole, the character doesn't really add anything to the movie for me, but I don't think it takes away. The only thing I didn't like about Rose really ultimately was the last scene where she knocks Finn's speeder out of the way. You know, Finn's at least doing something heroic and, you know, that would really truly help the resistance. And she's like, no, I care more for you than I do for all the other people you're about to save. And it's like, why? That was needless. Like we're building ourselves up for this big heroic sacrifice that would mean something. And then she's like, no, I'm going to knock you out of the way. I, I didn't care for that. So, liked Ray. Didn't have any issues with Ray in the movie as a whole. I mean, really didn't. Um, the Praetorian guards were a joke, as characters go. They they were very very poorly choreographed, um, which has been pointed out multiple times. You know that horse has been beaten to death, um, and then beaten again. You know, I don't I don't need to get into all of that. So I did not give it a very high score on characters. I thought the characters were very, very mixed. Um, there were some good things, but there were some also some very bad things. I agree with you at the end of the jet, the last Jedi, when Luke is reconnected with the force, we get this glimpse of who Luke was. We get to see, Hey, this is the Luke that we've all come to know and love and, and expected to see going into the film. Not the guy who threw the lightsaber comically over his shoulder. You know, that's, that's not Luke. You know, I, I don't see Luke having that kind of disrespect for the Jedi Order, um, even if he, he feels like he let them down, whatever. I just, I don't see that. I don't, I don't see any anything that would, even in, you know, this is going a little outside of the movie, but if you read some of the canon books, like Shadow of the Sith, um, which leads into the sequel trilogy, 
even at that point, um, Luke is still this optimistic, I'm not giving up, on some really, really bad people in the book. Like, I don't know if either of you guys have read it, but, you know, he's he's still the same optimistic, like, I am not going to give up on this person up until this this dark, dark force users, I don't know, I don't know that she was technically Sith, she was connected to the Sith, but, like, time and time again, he tried helping her, saving her up until her death. So, it, you know, I don't see him doing that kind of thing with his nephew. I just don't. So, that's all I have to say on characters. I would say let's move on, because I'm going to beat that horse more if we don't. Uh, music. What scoring, Alex, did you give The Last Jedi for music? Alex, are you there? I think Alex is muted. Kevin, what scoring would you give The Last Jedi for music? Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to bias much time here. I gave it a 2.8 out of 5. Oof. Probably my lowest music score. Yeah. Oof. Uh, I don't really have anything to say. Nothing sticks out. The music was fine. Unremarkable. There, there's nothing that I could... I don't have anything positive or negative to say about it. And I was trying. Like, I was trying to listen. It wasn't that John Williams did a bad job. It Like, the, the music was fine. That, right. That's really all I can say. That's fair. Alex, you appear to be back. Um, so I gave it a five out of five, yet I had similar reasons to Kevin weirdly. Um, I mean, I liked all the music. Um, sure. I, I mean, there's 20 great tracks on the album. Um, whereas I didn't feel the same way about the force awakens. So, you know, there was what it was, I don't know if it's the rise of the resistance, whatever the track name is from the force awakens, but you know, that's a popular one that gets a lot of play for Disney, whether right. it's with the parks or whatnot, but it doesn't really do anything for me. Um, whereas this, you know, there was nothing from this soundtrack that didn't do anything for me. Like I like all of the song or all the tracks. Um, I think all the music pairs well, whether it's via the commentary or via just like playing the music at, or playing the movie as is. So um, I guess I was, you know, less partial about it. Um, Dylan gave it a four. He said it felt more like the John Williams he remembers from the prequels. Uh, while it was okay. not perfect, it felt a little more memorable. Okay. See, I gave it a 3.5 out of five because it, it was fine. I, I'm, I'm right on board with Kevin on it. It was fine. To me, there wasn't anything that stood out. Um, it wasn't as memorable. Even like I thought The Force Awakens, even though it reused a lot of stuff with some of the new stuff it did, and Force Awakens didn't have a staple necessarily um, in the same way that Duel of the Fates and some of the others are staples for those movies. But, you know, Last Jedi, it... it it was okay. The The music was fine. It was enjoyable. There wasn't anything that stood out. I didn't think anything was super special necessarily. Um, you know, it was it was okay. It was fine. I think that, that's the best way to put it, Kevin. You, you summed it up well. Um, moving on to effects. Kevin, what did you... Well, Alex is back now, right? Alex, you're back. Yeah, I'm here. Um, okay. 
So for effects, I gave it a 4.7 out of 5. There were really okay. only three moments that I didn't like. Um, the effects or the environment effects around crate never really seemed to pop for me. Um, you know, okay. maybe if I'm watching it on 4K, it'll look better. Um, or next time I upgrade my television, it will. Um, the father years on Canto Bite, like something about them going through the town, just like never really looked 100% finished for me. Um and then Ray lifting the rocks at the end of the film, like that was another moment where the effects just didn't look as polished compared to the rest of the movie. Like the rest mm. of the movie looked impeccable. Um, and that's why I right. rank it so highly other than that, like giving it a 4.7 um, because they're really just those three minor moments overall, but still moments that I wish could be flawless. Um, sure. And then for Dylan, he gave it a 3.5 um, saying Oof. from the Canto or from the Canto by Casino to the destruction of a Star Destroyer by another ship, the effects seem to go down in this movie instead of staying on target. The throne room scene may have been one of the better effects in the movie or the scene with Phasma versus Finn. Okay. All right. Kevin, what did, what did you give effects? Uh, I got to say, I completely disagree with Dylan in almost every way there. Some of the things that he just called out are what I think are some of the most stunning effects of the movie, but I gave it a 4.8 out of 5. Okay. Um, I think that the Haldo maneuver, say what you want about the actual maneuver, but the way it looked and the way they presented it, even down to like the sounds was, was perfect. Mm-hmm. I thought crate was cool. I mean, even my wife, she was, she wasn't, she was studying while I was watching it, but she would like look up and, and see things. She thought crate looked really cool. Um, yeah, I, I think they did an amazing job. I, there are two things that stick out to me during this movie um, that weren't that great. I don't know if you could call them effects, but I, I'm going to. The first one is very beginning um, with Rose's sister. I can't remember her name, but she's trying to get the, the remote. Uh, oh, to, yeah, and how the remote the drops and then like how she catches it and everything. Yeah, so it, the shot is her laying down, like looking up. Uh-huh. And we see the remote go by her completely. And yep. suddenly, like, she has enough time to completely turn around and then grab it. It, did, it. it didn't look right to me. It's not even implausible that she could turn around and catch it. It was just, like, it had gone by her and she hadn't even moved. Like, she hadn't yeah. even flinched. So that was a bit weird to me. Um, God, what was the second one? I don't remember the second one. But it was, it was of a similar vein to where it just didn't look right. Um, if I remember it, maybe I'll tweet it or something, but overall, I think it was fantastic. It, same as the force awakens. I thought it was amazing. I just had like one or two small things that seemed kind of weird to me. Yep. Um, so I would have, and I did not mention that that actually brought up another point that I mentioned, I meant to talk about. Um, but yeah, that, that didn't seem very plausible. Like, It'd be different if, like, she had reached her arm downwards and was able to catch it or something like that where it just makes it look a little bit more realistic. But it didn't, you know, the timing of it definitely didn't seem to match up. Um, Another thing I meant to mention, because she only got a a brief 
part of this movie. And it, it was really frustrating how little she got. And she was just there to kind of help move it along. Was Maz. Maz Kanata, you know, when, when they're trying to figure out who they can get this master code breaker to be, you know, that kind of thing. You know, she's like in this in the middle of this, you know, union dispute or something about something like that. And instead of giving us anything about what she's doing, she's like, you do not want to hear about it. And it's like, you already did that to yes, us. I do. The, you already did that to us in The Force Awakens with the lightsaber. Like, you know, that's a great story for another time. It's like, stop putting us off. Anyway, I because I really think Maz could be a really interesting character, and I'm really de- disappointed with how they've they've used her. Like, wait, you need to read a behind the scenes book because I feel like most of your gripes are very simple behind the scenes, like actors not being available. So Maz is lightly used in this movie because the actress Lupita Nyong'o was busy filming other movies. And that's that's okay. I'm just saying, like, they've done that twice now to us where it's like, oh, we'll tell you another time. And it's like, eh, can you give us a little bit? Like, we're really interested to know how you got Luke's lightsaber. I'd like to know a little bit more about that. And now she's, like, in the middle of this really cool battle. It looks like she's doing flips and spins and, you know, somersaults and all this cool stuff. And it's like, you do not want to hear about it. It's like, no, I kind of do, actually. As a matter I've got a couple minutes right now. I'd love to hear about it. You know, that, that's I have just, a cool idea. That's where I'm at on it. Yes. About Moz, real quick. Um, I think it would be a really cool idea to do, like, a series of short stories, like five, ten minutes of her telling stories like that. I, I'd be where totally down for the that. Lightsaber? Dude, you, you know what I would like? It. I would like to have her and Hu Yang sit down across from a table and, <laughs> and just talk, story, like, just trade stories. Yeah. I think that would be perfect because I like Moz's character. I thought her character was kind of cool in The Force Awakens. And like when I saw her initially in this movie, it was like, ah, sweet, we're going to get more of her. And then it was like, oh, we didn't really get more of her. And I get, you know, if the actress had other commitments, I, you know, I'm not saying one way or another there. But I'm just saying from a story point of view and and the character specifically, I would have liked to get more from that. So that was a little gripe I had where it was just like, no, we're going to throw that question to the side. We're going to help move the story along using her. But questions aside. So anyway, um, for effects, I actually gave the movie five out of five. I gave it a very, very strong rating. Um, there wasn't a moment effectually that I didn't enjoy. I, I didn't notice the rocks being lifted up at the end all that much. That didn't stand out to me. Um, I'm like Kevin, like the Holdo maneuver, which I'll talk about a little bit more in plot. (laughs) I thought it looked visually stunning. Like, to see the kind of damage, and, you know, the thought process, for me, is like, I understand that would be extremely hard to successfully make happen. Um, but, holy crap, what an awesome weapon that could be if used effectively, you know? I don't think sacrificing yourself is the effective way to use it when you've got two other ships that are about to, you know, kick the dust, or bite the dust, or whatever. But the from the get-go, the effects were great. I mean, Poe's opening scene where he's taking out, I mean, all the all the maneuvers he's doing on top of the dreadnought flying around and, and blasting the surface cannon. I mean, ah, oh, so awesome. So, so, so awesome. That, that, was, that was fantastic. Um, you know, I, I liked the scene on Crate. 
Um, it's old and kind of done already, which we can talk about a little more in plot. But I liked the visual. I, I liked the visuals of seeing the red being kicked up as these speeders are, are dragging along, you know, the surface. I thought it visually looked awesome. Um, so from a, an effects standpoint, five out of five for me, no question about it. Now, moving on to plot, this is the one I think that might get a little dicey between us, and I, I hope we all leave here friends at the end of the day. That That's my goal. Uh, Alex, what did you give the movie for plot? So I gave it a four out of five. Uh, the only notes I have cite Canobite um, and, oh, actually something you guys will appreciate. So let me talk Canobite first. Um, so back in 2017, I just recall not really being plugged into Star Wars at the time. I think, you know, Rebels season three is airing. I don't really recall what else is happening for Star Wars at the time. But when I did go see The Last Jedi, I just remember feeling like the Canto Bite sequence was a little more like an episode of Rebels than I was expecting to see in a feature film for Star Wars. And since then, my opinion on Rebels has changed completely. Like, I wasn't watching it after the fact. I binged it, like, within a year from 2018 to 19, and I love it to this day. Um, You know, since then, I'm also a little warmer on the Canto Bite sequence. But for me, like, the movie just grinds to a halt the moment they get there. I didn't like it visually. Um, They're just – it just felt so incongruous to a lot of the Star Wars that had come before. Um, Sure which is weird because most folks will say that of the entire movie. And I kind of say that just of this one little chunk. Um, so the other part that I think you guys will appreciate, which is why I give it a four out of five um, is the slowest space chase ever, which is something I got from RFR years ago. And they did a great episode talking about the last Jedi citing a lot of like George Lucasisms one of which being like mm-hmm. faster and more intense and how whenever Lucas made a movie, each one was faster and more intense one way or another than the last one. And after I heard them say that, I just like all six of Lucas's movies like flashed in my head. I was like, that's true. Like in one way or another from a new hope to empire to Jedi, then to menace the clones, revenge of the Sith, you know, they all, they, they up the ante in one way or another. Um, right. And then we get to this, <laughs> this like space chase. And it's just like, you might as well have the two ships like slowly panning across the screen at some yeah. points. Um, it, it, like pirates. Yeah. Man, so, I had, I had a problem with that from the bombers on. Cause the bombers bothered me to begin with. To me, everything about the bombing sequence on the Dreadnought was just too on the nose for, you know, World War II. And I, I get, I, I'm sure that's what he was going for is, you know, getting that, those ideas, that, that kind of cinematography. You know, the way you see the X-Wings kind of, you know, diversely put in between the bombers. We see a lot of that. But from that point, it was like, you know, why would you use those when you've got awesome, like, Y-Wings and other stuff? that's a little bit faster pace that moves that scene on a little more. I think you can have faster bombers and shorten that scene quite a bit and still have it be as dramatic. I, I don't think you have to, to go to the length that you did, but then, yeah, you've got this huge space, like super long space chase where it's like, okay, we're, we're panning back to 
this guy chasing that guy and we're going to be here for 10 minutes of the movie and then we'll move back to whatever else is going and then we're going to come back to this and it's like oh okay yeah nothing's changed oh well, they lost one ship yeah so today like when i knew i wouldn't have the time to you know watch the movie i kind of was like playing it back in my head and i was thinking to myself all right where was kylo during the duration of the movie and i was like oh yeah he was on the supremacy and then he was on crate and then i thought to myself right. where was poe for the duration of this movie he was in his cockpit, and then he was on the Rebel ship, and then he was on Crate. And you, you kind of can go through the cast. It's like a lot of them were just on two ships. And whereas, you know, Ray, I'm sorry, not Ray, um, Rose and Finn kind of have the, you know, the ship or the space traveling, spacefaring adventure, and everyone else is kind of just like isolated. And I think Star Wars right. is just so much movement. In this movie, everyone's just kind of in their own encampments. That's why um, weeks ago, Kevin and I talked about this briefly about the movie. To me, it feels like it's two different movies where you could kind of start TLJ and watch it for the Luke, Kylo, and Ray, and even Snoke storyline. But then there's the, you know, the Finn and Rose, Poe, Leia, Holdo storyline. And it's like at some point they kind of converge. And I feel like that's at the very, very last moment when they're all on the Falcon. So, you know, it's just it's odd. It's I love this movie so much, but it's such a weird amalgam of different things happening at the same time. And you have to just uniquely appreciate them sometimes. Um, so I still rate it rather highly because I do love the rest of the movie. It's just the mechanics of those moments for me, the whole Kanto sure. bite sequence and just that overall like space chase happening in the background just don't work for right. me necessarily. What about Dylan? What did Dylan give it? Um, oops. Actually, Kevin, can you take it for me? Cause I dropped the phone. So let me recover this. Sure. Kevin, what did you give it for plot? <laughs> I went 3.75. <laughs> okay. Um, you had noted before, I just, I placed it here that I like that it's addressed that Kylo was beaten by Ray before. I don't have as much of an issue with it as you do because, I mean, we see it all the time. People who should win things don't win things because of one reason or another. Um, it's not, it's not always as simple as pure strength, pure training. Football, you know, there's that saying, any given Sunday, you can get beat sure. by anybody. Um, and he just got caught, not not as prepared or you know whatever. Maybe he was too arrogant. I don't know what it was, but um, Leia flying through space remains the worst scene in Star Wars. Completely unnecessary. <laughs> even again, even my wife, while we were watching this, saw that and was like, "That is ridiculous." Um, so that one from day one, like. I normally, Wade, you remember, you remember, you know, going through these movies with me. I loved them when we watched right. them, when we left the theater. I loved them. And it wasn't until later that I started to be like, I don't, you know, maybe I don't like this, whatever. I didn't like that scene from the beginning. Right. Um, Canto Bite. I agree. I, I don't like that. I. It's not that I don't think it fits. I just, it was boring. Like, I really, it was yeah. hard to, to pay attention. Slow. Yeah, and along the same vein, the Master Code Breaker stuff, didn't like it. It felt like a video game to me, and it's almost like it's almost like what I expected is for them to show up to Canto Bite, chasing a character who would run 15 feet, stop, and turn around, 
and they would get close and, and wait for them to get 15 <laughs> feet. Yeah. It, it's almost, it, it was, it, that's the kind of energy that it gave off. And it was like, sure. can we put a little bit more effort into this? You know, it wasn't even necessary and they didn't even get him. Right. I, and I did not like who they found. I, I, yeah. I didn't even like him, but um, that whole sequence to me, it, it, I almost, it almost goes along with what Alex was just saying about two movies. That's almost the bridging of the two stories. And it wasn't, it wasn't effective. Right. Um, Until you just recounted that, Kevin, I forgot that DJ wasn't the code breaker. <laughs> I forgot yeah. that there was someone else that they were trying there, to find. There was an actual like professional that they were trying to get. <laughs> right. Carry on. And they just happened um, to get arrested in, in the casino. One, one thing, my, my last note on plot, I, I did like, I did like it. I, I like this movie. 3.75 might seem low, but it's a lot higher than what I had thought it was going to be going into this. But sure. I love the exchange between Yoda and Luke. I thought that was as true to their characters. As that was good. Yeah. I think yeah, that was, it was executed very well. I think that was good. Um, okay. I'll get my plot score real quick. Two out of five, two out of five was what I gave the plot. Um, it's empire. It, it, it's empire. Some things are mixed out of order, but you know, first order shows up, attacks the resistance base. Empire shows up, attacks the rebel base. Um, and then first order later on again, attacks the rebel base in in very similar fashion to how the, the empire attacked the rebel base, except they got it done in like one arc versus, you know, last Jedi kind of split it into two and like bookended the movie with them. Um, not a huge fan of that. Um, you know, the new Jedi still learning that she's got these powers and, or that he wants these powers. He, they, they've got to find an old master hermit that's disappeared on this planet by themselves. And, um, you know, at first they're unwilling to train and then they're willing to train. And then said Jedi has to leave to go rescue their friends from the dark side users and, you know, Jedi Master warns against it, but they go anyway because they believe they're doing the right thing. Then Jedi Master, who warned against it, is visited by the Force Ghost of the Jedi who passed, and, you know, they have interactions. And to me, it was just like, there's so much, I mean, uh, on deserted planet with Jedi Master, Jedi Padawan has visions facing something dark side related, yada, yada, yada. I mean, there, there's a lot of worn stuff, like, there's a lot of repeat in this. Like a lot of repeat. So there was a lot of stuff that was just kind of like, ah, can we not get something fresh and original? Like I get you're going to have some similarities and themes at times. I get that. But look at the prequels in comparison to the OT. They're very different in a lot of ways. And this has a couple of things that are kind of different, but also a lot of stuff that's pretty pretty similar like almost spot on similar i feel like they get so shoehorned because i like all those points and i think tfa shoehorns them into being empire much like tfa is a new hope because like i i was thinking about it like there's there's one thing i love about the the mcu and it's that infinity war to endgame time jump that they introduced like the moment in endgame when five years later 
appears across right. the screen. I was like, yes, like that's I'm always looking for that time jump. I'm looking for that thing to launch us forward. And I can appreciate, you know, whether it was Ryan Johnson or who at Lucasfilm felt like, hey, we really need to start TLJ right where TFA left off. Like that's a iconic looking moment. It's on Skellig Island in real life, yada, yada, yada. But then I wonder if they weren't so married to that TFA ending and decided, you know, because that's so much like a new hope, let's just do something zany and say, well, we're five years later. Um, You know, I wonder if that could have opened up the, the storytelling potential. I I definitely think they could have, I, I think the plot may have been better if they had, you know, moved it down the road. You know, I, I don't know how they do it. I don't know where, you know, all that comes in. You know, I'm not a writer or director. So obviously I have very little room to truly critique anything. But in my opinion, I think putting some distance between those movies helps. I think that helped with the original trilogy. I think that helped with the prequels. And I, I definitely think it would have helped here. Um, but yeah, they had them very much connected in a lot of ways at the beginning. And then like... I mean, I the movie felt very disjointed from that point on from The Force Awakens in a lot of ways, you know, other than it mirrored a lot of what Empire had. Um, so wasn't a fan of it in, in that regard to plot. A lot of the plot was just – I even made notes like <laughs> uh, Ray's scene in the cave slash island butthole, um, not a good scene. I, I, these are the kind of notes that I made. This is this is how I take notes, but you know, and I've talked about some of the stuff. You know, like Kylo splitting Snoke in half. I don't see that happening. You know, not just for their characters, but to advance the plot. I just that doesn't seem realistic. Now, again, I'm not the creator, but I I don't realistically see a way where that makes sense. Um, Another gripe I have. I guess not so much this, I guess, falls more into characters than anything. But these two movies we've gotten have tried too hard to just come up with a bunch of new alien races and very, very, very little alien races that we've seen before. Like they, they've done a very, and not to, not to discredit them for being creative. That's awesome. But throw in some Zabrax and some Twi'leks here and there, you know? Force Awakens, I get it. They really wanted to make its own movie thing. But I expected with, like, at, at least on Canto Bite, you know, you'd have, like, a, a Twi'lek companion standing next to a gambler or, you know, a smuggler or whatever. You know, have some have some, some similarities because I think that would help it feel a little bit more natural. To me, like, I see specifically in the Canto Bite scenes when you get all these new alien races and it's all new. Like I haven't seen any of these aliens before. I would have liked to see some familiarity that, that kind of connects the two. You know, when we get the, the prequels, we get some similarities, you know, obviously you've got Tatooine and Tatooine as the first bookends of those trilogies. And so that helps, but they also have some similar aliens while also having you know, new things like Gungans. We ne- we, we've never seen Gungans before. That's that's incredibly new. So give us some of the familiar well, you know, that we see. You know, to your point, almost as a joke, I was thinking how, like, 
probably ever since Darth Maul and ever since the prequels were more yeah. fleshed out in like the comics, the books and the games, like in right. the prequel era, when we were kids, I felt like Zabrix were kind of like embraced. And then in recent years, like kind of like you said, like, can we just get a Zabrix walking in the background? Like just a regular, yeah. Thing. I, don't, I, I don't need a Sith tattoo fabric. Saying... Just, just one walking in. The, and we, they're, they're in Solo. Yeah. I'm rather certain there's actually like a female Zabrik in Solo on, um, on Dryden's Vot, like or Vot and his yacht in the first like act of the film. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean this is a point that I was actually wanting to make about TFA. But regarding the sequel trilogy in general it almost feels as if it's going out of its way not to blend in with the prequels, yes. you know? And like there's in TFA, like one weird note I have about that movie and like they make a passing reference to clones in maybe the first 30, 40 minutes. And beyond right. that, there's almost no real reference to the, to the prequels. Um, TLJ, I mean, Luke does a reference to Palpatine or Sidious, um right like that specific power yeah and it's like all right that's and that's it and i'm not saying like i need b i I don't know maybe i do want b1 battle droids making a cameo i just want something like i don't i don't care what it is but give us some familiar amongst the you know obviously we've got the main characters that are familiar right we've got luke and we've got leia that that's established but Give us a little bit more. Like, give us some of that background character to make it blend a little bit more. Just give me a Gungan. really stand out. Yeah, I, I don't even care if we see Jar Jar for <laughs> crying out loud. I wanted Jar Jar to be Snoke. You know, I, I'm not... Obviously, I don't believe that. I do believe Jar Jar was a Sith, but different episode. I I would like to see a little bit more blending, you know, where they make some of these references. and can, You know, it felt so disconnected from some of the... You know, we got the, the reference with Ray talking to Han about, you know, Han being the, you know, rebellion smuggler, whatever rebellion general, you know, between her and Finn and, and Han. So we get, we get some of that stuff and that's awesome. But I, I definitely would like to see a little bit more connection there. Um, the only thing I will say regarding plot, um, and I guess it's, I, I missed a lot of stuff on characters, but I was trying to move through it quickly. Chewie and the Porgs. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. I absolutely love the Porgs. Porgs Porgs were the highlight of this movie for me. I loved the Porgs so much. And the comedic, like, I forget what the what the creatures native to Octo Island are. Um, but some of the stuff that goes on, like when Ray blasts a hole in one of their, their huts. Or, like, she cuts the rock and it destroys their cart. And they just look up. I found myself laughing at it. So I, I de- and the Porgs funny. especially, Porgs absolutely love. Um, anyway, so a lot of complaints about the plot. I didn't think the plot was very good. I think it was worn out. It was already done in a lot of ways, and in the ways that it wasn't, I don't think it was well executed overall. That's just my opinion about it. Um, overall entertainment value, Kevin. What did you give it for overall entertainment? Oh wait, um, did we skip Dylan? We skipped Dylan's plot. That's right. What was Dylan's plot real quick? You did. I'll, I'll snake order this. So I'll do Dylan for plot and overall. Um, so for plot, he agreed with Kevin. He gave it a 3.75. 
Um, so he broke it down with pros and cons. So his pros were this movie felt like a more original story and some well-done storytelling by Ryan Johnson on this one. Mm. Um, con. Oh, this is funny. This really, this makes sense with what I said. So his con, stick to one storyline. Um, the movie yeah. felt like it was trying to tell too many stories at once that did not fit. With, <laughs> that's crazy. That did not fit in with one another well at all. This movie could have done a better job of making each story arc seem important then it would have flown better or, flo- or uh, flowed better. Ray and Kylo were great. Finn and Rose could have been better. Poe and the rebel troops left me wanting more. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's so funny that that has come up multiple times. That it just feels like too many yeah. separate storylines. Very lines. disconnected. It's yeah. not, not united. So to dip into his rating for overall entertainment, he gave it a 3.75. Um, saying okay. this movie has great scenes between Luke and Ray as she is growing in the force and Kylo is growing into a fantastic character. But otherwise I could have done without the Poe on the rebel ship and Finn and Rose should have been a lot more fleshed out. The throne room scene sure. and Kylo versus Luke are definitely the most memorable for me and felt awesome watching. I look forward to the final movie in the series. <laughs> I love that he writes these. <laughs> He's first time watching them week to week. Um, Alex, your overall entertainment score. Um, so I gave it a 4.5 out of five, because as I said earlier in the podcast, like, I do really love this movie. I mean, I am entertained by it. Um, and I think I have fewer detractions from it than I have things I really enjoy about it. So that's why I ranked it so highly sure. here. Um, like I said, it's really odd that this saga that's so much about being faster and more intense just really grinds to a halt for the duration of this movie. Um, I definitely see where other fans are coming from as far as, you know, their view of Luke's characterization. I'm fine with it personally, but again, like I can understand where they're coming from. Um, this for me was the best Ray and Kylo combined out of the entire sequel trilogy it's the best Adam driver performance out of the entire sequel trilogy. Um, hmm. You know, it's not that I wish Ryan could have directed the next one so that they felt more connected. I just maybe wish a different director had a chance with these actors seeing that JJ already had them right. for the force awakens. Um, sure. You know, well, and they did originally. True. Yeah, they did have a third director, and Kathleen did not like the direction that that director went, and was basically like, "No, we got to redo like ninety percent of this," and he quit. Yeah, and for me, I'm really excited because I have the the art of the Rise of Skywalker book, so that's mm-hmm. really flush with behind the scenes information. I haven't read it yet. Um, I haven't like hardly flipped through it at all, and I've had it for years. Um, you know, I found the the what's it called, the Last Jedi director's commentary like i mentioned incredibly insightful you know i have the the art of the last jedi book right here beside me i kind of flipped through it a little bit today like these the supplemental things have really enhanced my appreciation of the movie but you know i remember the two times i saw it opening week and both times you know not feeling the same way that i felt the other times leaving a star wars theater um and one last anecdote so when i left the theater for rogue one in 2016 i'll never ever forget it's just like when someone like mars your experience but leaving the theater i heard another couple 
like commenting about the movie and they were an older couple. Um, and I went to see it with my father. So they were like older, probably in their seventies or so. And I heard the woman tell the man, like that didn't feel like a star Wars movie to me. And like, that's, Mm. that's hung with me all these years since for some reason. And the weirder thing is those words were evoked by my father leaving this movie a year later in 2017. It's like he huh. he made a very similar comment. Like it didn't didn't really feel like Star Wars, and admittedly, it doesn't feel right. like a lot of Star Wars that had come before. But I will say, a lot of Star Wars that has come since this movie feels like this. Like I think this movie is more cynical. It's a more cynical version of Star Wars than a lot of what we would given beforehand. Um, and I think Andor especially kind of takes what this movie did, opening the door for cynicism, and just runs with it in different, more preachable ways. I like it. Kevin, what did you give it for overall entertainment? I gave it a 4.6. Um, hmm, okay. A, another surprise, but I'm yeah. actually going to, I'm going to take my last point and address that first because it goes very much hand in hand with Alex's last point. Um, this movie really had a sense of doom. Um, that I, I felt added to the overall experience. Like the resistance was done. They were dead to rights. Like there was no, there was no hope, but this is star Wars. There's always hope um, no matter what. And I think that this movie really did execute on that. And to me, that's why it feels like a star Wars movie. There was no hope, sure. but at the, at the last moment, there was hope, you know, Ray showed up, Luke, did his force projection thing, you know, that bought them some time. And that little, little, little tiny spark of hope ended up working out and and they were able to get out of there. So I get it. You know, there are moments where it doesn't totally feel like Star Wars, but to me, that's what makes this feel like Star Wars. And and probably my favorite thing about the movie. I love a movie where, where there's the bad guy is a real formidable bad guy. And, um, it seems like they're going to win and you wonder how the, how they're going to win. How is the, how is, you know, the good guy's going to figure it out, but how are they going to right. get out of it? Sure. Um, a bit of a contradictory one, but in the beginning, I still get goosebumps when we're, when we're about to see Luke again, the music, the build up, it's awesome. Now, despite that, it's very underwhelming. Of course he throws it over his, shoulder and you're like it almost takes you out of the moment which um i find i don't like it but i also i kind of respect it because i feel like what ryan johnson is saying there is we're going to do something different here you this is this is what you expect like you came into this movie with expectations we're not going to do that sit down and watch the movie um I like this movie. It's very hot and cold. It has moments that I don't like, but it also had a lot of moments that I really did like. One that I wanted to call out that I had forgotten about until I watched it the other day, Luke showing up in the in the Falcon for the first time. I forgot about that. That was a really well-executed oh, yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, now, about five seconds afterwards, it brought me back to, why didn't we get our core four in the Falcon one more time? Why couldn't they yep. do that for one scene? But I'll take what we got with Luke. I thought that it was really well done. And I and it, it brought tears to my eyes. You know, him being in the cockpit for the first time and, like, seeing everything light up. And it, w- it was a good moment. 
So I gave it a three out of five, um, which I think based on my scoring so far is pretty fair. Um, I don't hate the movie by any means. I don't love it. I'm kind of middle of the road with it. Um, out of all of the Star Wars movies, now Rise of Skywalker may prove us wrong. I don't know. But so far, out of all the Star Wars movies, this has been my least favorite. Um, again, that doesn't mean I hate it. But there are parts in it that I find myself really enjoying. And then there are a lot of parts in it that I'm like, I just, I don't get it. Um, you know, something I think about constantly, I, every single time I think of The Last Jedi, is why couldn't you have taken one of the Corvettes and have it piloted by a droid and take out Snoke's ship in that regard. I, I just, I don't, I, I think that's a big loophole in the movie. You know, why couldn't, and, and stuff like that. It's just little stuff here and there where it's like, I feel like, you know, if you're going to do something suicidal like that, well, let's make it practical. You know, let's take out the lead ship. You know, why doesn't Han and, and and Finn, why don't they communicate, you know, what they found out about how they're tracking them through light speed? They don't even have to tell them about the plan that they've come up with. Just, hey, we found this out. This is going on. If we're able to take out the ship somehow, yeah, that might solve our problem. We can make another jump and be good. It's like, well, why why couldn't we do that from, from the get-go? Why can't we take out his ship? using one of the smaller ships that were already losing their fuel. I mean, you obviously were able to move all of their troops on that ship to the main ship. So just little stuff like that here and there really kind of brings my overall entertainment down. Um, but there's a lot of, a lot of good humor. I, I loved the humor throughout. That's the, that's the one highlight I would say for me, um, where I, I kind of nitpick on some of the other stuff. The humor was funny. I mean, between Luke and Ray, you know, when he tells her to, to reach out to the force and she does it and he goes, Oh, you know, do you feel, she's like, Oh, I feel something. And then she, he slaps her hand. I, I love that. Like, I think that's hilarious. And I think that that very much resembles in a good way, Yoda training Luke. I think there, that's something that Yoda would have done to Luke. You know, there's, 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 and then obviously, you know, the Poe line and, and with, with general hugs, as he points, as he as he says, general hugs over and over again, um, you know, stuff like that. I just I think it's hilarious. I think there are a lot of funny things in it that bring my enjoyment into it. There there were times watching the movie yesterday where I was like, ah, I get glimpses of what I feel like it really could have been overall. I think it really could have been, in my eyes, a really good movie, but there's just too much other stuff that didn't make sense or didn't seem right, didn't seem to fit well, that kind of bogged it down. So, solid three out of five for me. Overall scores. Kevin, what was your overall score? Total the tally up? 19.6 out of 25. Okay. Alex, total score? Mine was 22.2 out of 25. Okay. And Dylan's was 18. Okay. Okay. Mine was a 16 out of 25, which I think is officially the lowest score ever announced on Records of the Republic. So listeners, if you like this movie, please don't hate me. I still love you. And I, I, I am excited that you love this movie. 
it, it just wasn't my thing. This isn't the movie, you know, if I've got to find a go-to movie that I'm looking, you know, to escape from reality and, and, and look for something hopeful that I leave the movie feeling good about, this is not it. This is definitely not it for me. Um, that's just me, but I like the variety in our scores. We've got some very high, we've got some kind of low and some middle of the road. So, yeah, and that, I think that very accurately depicts like overall fandom for the last Jedi right now. Um, I'm working on our average right now. Kevin, what was your score again? It was 19.6. Hold on, y'all. Hold on. All right, we'll continue. Continue without me. We'll work on the, uh, we'll compute the mathematics in the background. All right. Well, the only two things we have left real quick while you're doing that is to play the voicemails. Um, So we're going to do those real quick here. First one, we've got a voicemail from RFB. Seemed to think it was. I thought it 
was a lot of fun and ended up opening Finn's eyes wider to the galaxy where he was fairly ignorant to. And without making this too much longer, I see there's a couple Twitterverse friends, one or two, is going to send some words and thoughts, which I'm looking forward to, and looking forward to also the company that Yins will keep me, whether I'm at work or at home, and hearing others' thoughts. Some I know who they are and some I don't, which will make it even more fun. So to the next, may the force be with you. For the Empire. That Dang last part, it, RSE. Always, always gets me, man. Always gets me. Um, thank you, RFE, for sharing this. And it's funny because he and I talked about this at length. Um, the last time I started talking about, you know, kind of talking about what could have been with the EU. Looking, you know, I've been reading a lot of the EU books from Heir to the Empire, uh, the Hand of Thrawn duology, the fate of the Jedi, a lot of these books that continued the story of Luke and Leia and Han and Chewie and so on and so forth, their kids, grandkids, whatever. Um, and I, I think it's very compelling story writing. Like, I think there's a lot of good stuff, good content that we got in there. And I think, like I said before, I think a lot of the expectation surrounding Luke is because of what so many fans have read over time. Granted, I admit never canon, but I also kind of blame George Lucas for that because I'm not, you know, if this, if Star Wars is my baby, and I talked about this before, if Star Wars is my baby, my, you know, I created this, I'm not going to let anything be produced under Star Wars that I don't agree with or that conflicts with what I want to do. Um, so that that's just kind of where I come from it. You know, if you're going to allow people to publish under the name Star Wars, um, these these stories and then you expect people to go and buy it, then you've got to expect them to invest themselves in these characters as they're portrayed in these books to some extent. And so I think it's I think it's fair to go into a movie like this when it covers characters, especially in similar timelines, if not the same timeline, as is what some of these books covered. I think it's fair to go into the movies with some expectations because those, you know, even though they weren't considered canon, if you're going to allow someone to write a book under your title, under you know your thought baby, this is what you have created. If you're going to allow that to be published and you're going to allow fans to buy these books and you're going to make money off of it, then to some extent you have to understand that they're going to have expectations that the, the way these characters are portrayed in these books um, is honored in the new movies. And so I think that's the only thing that you know, I, I guess that's the best way I can explain it. Um, but he and I talked at length about this because he said, you know, ultimately, none of our opinions matter. The only people who, who matter in this regard are the story writers. And his whole thing when he goes into a new Star Wars project, whether it's a TV show, animation, live action, or a movie, is that you tell him a story. If he feels like he came away from that being told a decent story... He's happy. And I do think that's a good way to go into things. You know, I just I don't blame fans who are upset with it because they've got preconceived ideas of what these characters are. Even if we don't follow the same exact storylines, when we look at the characteristics that these characters display, I, I, I think it's fair 
to give them some credit and some leniency there and give them some room to be upset about it. Um, now, if they continually gripe about it 20, 30 years down the road, that's their problem. They're adults at that point for sure. Grow up, move on. You know, what's done is done. But that that's where I feel like there's still some some, you know, a chip on the shoulder. But again, like I said, from what I've talked to other fans on on Twitter today about a lot of the fans that said they don't like it interacted with other fans and said, you know, I'm happy that you were able to enjoy this. You know, and a lot of the fans that liked it when they read comments from, you know, people who didn't like it, they said, I, I understand why there was a lot of really awesome. You know, I, I think there were a lot there. There weren't a lot. There were a few of uh, there were a few loud mouths that have audiences that sounded off on this movie when it came out. And that's what caused division in the fandom. But when you talk to the average everyday fan I think there's a lot more common ground to be found than is realized, or at least than is portrayed by some of these louder mouthpieces. Um, and so that that's where I that's what I'd say on it. Um, but RFB, appreciate you uh, sharing that with us. This movie, let's see, when I went to see this movie in theaters, I went with family because I was out in Arizona when it happened. And I did my the same thing I've done since Force Awakens. I went and saw it. Tw- I mean, I literally bought back-to-back tickets to see it the same night twice. Um, so I would see it at the 7 p.m. showing and then at the 9.30 or 10 p.m. showing. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Let's see. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, with this movie, it has an unfair, Oof. unforeseen hurdle of being the movie that comes out after Carrie Fisher passes away. You know, I can't help but, you know, think about I was seeing Rogue One for the second time in theaters, getting the Twitter updates regarding Carrie Fisher's health status um, as she was being, you know, disembarked from her flight to Los Angeles. Um, You know, so I think a lot of folks tend to forget she passed away, you know, December 2016, you know, so fans had a whole year going into the last Jedi, knowing that, you know, unfortunately this phenomenal woman, this beloved actress had been gone. Um, And for folks who were thinking about the star Wars story, we also were going into this thinking, okay, the force awakens is Harrison's story. Last Jedi is Mark's story, and the last film is going to be Carrie's story. But of course, that's undercut knowing that, unfortunately, you know, she's passed away, you know, before they can even start production on that story. Um, You know, it reminds me a lot of um, Heath Ledger's untimely passing before The Mm. Dark Knight was released, I believe. Um, And when you go into that movie, unfortunately, knowing that that actor who's about to deliver this phenomenal performance has passed. and, you know, that, again, undercuts the storytelling potential for those creators, though that's everyone's last concern. Um, it influences the story for that next film. Absolutely. Um, so it's always an odd thing. Like, it never really comes up in talk about this film. But, you know, I always wonder, like, imagine if we went into the theater in late 2017 and we're coming out of it and Carrie goes, you know, imagine if if she has still lived, if she was still part of the saga, if she was still with us today. Right. And imagine if like that next celebration in 2018 was Carrie on stage going, you know, if you thought you've seen it already, just wait till the next one. Just wait till my movie. 
we would have, you know, thought about TLJ differently, I think. And, you know, but it's everything's hindsight's 2020. We're all victims of circumstance. Yep. Um, you know, we, Absolutely. we miss our general, we miss our princess. Um, you know, I just wish we could have gone to this, you know, the theater that December with her, with us. Right. Appreciating what we had at the time, uh, not knowing that we wouldn't have it moving yeah, forward. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so again, thank you, RFB. Um, next voicemail, our second one, we've got one from Roe at Scuttlebutt Podcast. Super excited to play his. So let's take a listen. Hey, what's up, Records of the Republic? This is Roe from the Scare of Scuttlebutt Podcast. You guys are recording your last Jedi episode discussion thingy. Uh, Excellent news. Um, you asked on Twitter what uh, what our opinions were, and uh, I got a couple. Leaving the theater, um, I was disillusioned as to what I saw. Um, one of the biggest things for me that I did not like was uh, the humor in the film. I think it was very Marvel and sophomoric. Um, not, uh, not really, uh, on par with the type of humor that, uh, that I guess I was used to in Star Wars, a little more, uh, functional, um, in, in universe. I don't know. It, it was just, it just threw me off. It just seemed like, like somebody, um, went to a college and said, Hey, what jokes can we put in this, this movie? The other big thing is the characterization of Luke Skywalker, mm -hmm. and uh, I understand a lot of people relate to this particular aspect of Luke Skywalker's uh, personality because of what they are going through in their own lives, which uh, I can appreciate. But I think overall, in the grand scheme of things, for a character who was super hopeful, and you know, you've heard this argument before, for a character that is super hopeful in the past, and all of a sudden decides, you know what, in order for uh, for evil to go away, um, good must, must also go away, and I think that's the wrong way of thinking. I don't think in the real world, if we claim that we need to be, uh, you know, not uh, acting on evil, then evil will go away. I think I always fall back on that adage, um, evil rises when good men do nothing. So I, uh, I agree with, I disagree with the, uh, with the characterization of Luke Skywalker. Again, somebody who had hope, somebody who loved his family and friends to be able to just uh, put themselves away on an island and not care about anything really, um, really, you know, was uh, was a bad move in in my opinion. Anyways, those are uh, those are the finer points, the outline, the cliff notes of why I dislike the Last Jedi. It's the only Star Wars movie I never bought, uh, either digitally or in physical. Mm. Uh, I will never revisit it, and uh, I don't like it. And that's the scuttlebutt. <laughs> so very very strong opinion on the Last Jedi. Um. Uh, you know, I, I, I do agree with him on the characteriz characterization of Luke. I've talked about that a little bit already tonight, so I won't dive back into that too much. Um, I do admit, you know, there are plenty of people out there that do um, that do relate to his character. Um, and some have even said, you know, it's helped them through certain situations in life. Um, so I have to give credit where credit is due there. And 
to an extent, I think he is convinced that at the end, you know, towards the end of the movie, you know, he can't give up, you know, if he decides to continue being neutral and not doing anything to counteract the dark side, that evil is going to continue spreading throughout as if no one stands up to that evil. So, you know, I, I do think he comes full circle, but I, I agree with him that, you know, someone who cared as much about his family and friends, um, so much so that he wouldn't, you know, kill his own father, um, despite how incredibly evil he was. Um, I, I, I just, I don't realistically see that character doing what he did in the flashback scene. And I think that's really what set it off for me in terms of like, this isn't Luke. You know, I think I can deal with all the other stuff a little bit more. It's a little bit more palatable if there's some other, you know, okay, Snoke was able to convince Kylo in, during some of their meetings and Kylo burns down the, the Jedi temple, um, you know, or Kylo's the one standing over top of Luke's bed and he's the one struggling with killing his Jedi master um, and, you know, ends up bringing the hut down on him as an indirect way to try and kill him because he can't bring himself to to kill him, kill him, which is something we've seen kind of him struggling with already as it is. You know, when he goes to kill Han, he's struggling with the idea of whether he's going to kill him or not. When he goes to kill Leia, he ends up pulling away, you know, pulling back and his his wingmen basically blow her up. You know, so that that ultimately, I think, would have made more sense. And it would have made like, you know, Luke's Luke's dismissal of everything and, and kind of going into it, this hermit mindset. I think if you if you flip that one little thing. You know, he looks at oh, I wasn't strong enough to save Ben from the dark side. Oh, he destroyed, you know, the entire Jedi Order. I let all of these these people down who who considered me their master. You know, then the hermitage kind of thing makes a little bit more sense. I mean, Yoda goes into into, uh, you know, hiding essentially in a, in a similar manner when the Jedi Order is destroyed during the prequels. You know, so I, I, I get I see that a little bit more, but I don't see the way Luke was portrayed standing over Kylo's bed over Ben's bed, I should say, because at the point he is Ben, I, I don't see that happening. And that that's where I would say I agree with Roe. Everything else, if you flip it and have Kylo standing over and him indirectly, you know, bringing the hut down because he, he can't bring himself to directly put the blade through Luke. I can work with that. I, I think that little flip would probably change the whole movie for me in a lot of ways. There's still a lot of gripes I would have with it, but my view on Luke as a character would change dramatically. So that's what I would say. But thank you, Ro, for sending that in. Alex, do you have any commentary that you would like to add? Um, no, I mean, I think I'll quote actually Phil Sosak. Um, he wrote the introduction to the Last Jedi Art of book. And in this introduction, he refers to Joseph Campbell's Heroes Journey. So I'm just going to quote him from here on out. Um, he goes, if Joseph Campbell's hero's journey is a reflection of humankind's journey beyond the innocence of childhood into the wider world of knowledge and responsibility, then what comes after the hero's journey after happily ever after what of the middle aged hero who now faces inevitable, inevitable mortality and loss. 
So that's kind of, you know, I think the dividing rod with this film, um, you know, I understand folks who view Luke through the prism of hope. And if you view Luke through that prism, then this movie is going to do nothing for you. And I understand that. Um, because on the contrary, Ryan views the character differently. Um, Sometimes, though, I wonder, like, could this could many fans' problems with this film have been solved with such a simple, casual, throwaway line of Luke expressing remorse over, you know, the Death Star attack in A New Hope? You know, maybe does he realize that not every single stormtrooper, not every single Imperial officer technician on the Death Star was innately evil? Like, does he feel the reverberations of their, you know, removal from the force just as Obi-Wan felt the loss of life from Alderaan? Does Luke not feel that as he grows stronger and stronger in the force and feel remorse over such a, you know, not calculated move just to erase all that life at once, you know, it, maybe that could have been a little line that would have made sense to some folks. Whereas otherwise Luke's characterization didn't, I don't know. Sure. It's not something I can really dwell on and, you know, think about. Um, I think I own this film on two different physical copies. So that's enough for me <laughs> and for Roe. So, and I pay for this. The opposite plus, of so. Roe. Yeah. You've got, <laughs> you've got an extra for Roe. <laughs> when they come out with another release, I'll probably be buying that as well. Cause I love physical media. I'm a sucker for, you know, the, the special features are often exclusive to that. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, I, if someone's not going to revisit the film, I think spending the two hours and however many minutes with the director's commentary is well worth it. Um, I wish I could mail out my copy of the art of to everyone else, but it's too nice. Right. And I want to keep it pristine for myself, but um, George Lucas really made me love the art of filmmaking and more so than, you know, the force awakens. I think the last Jedi really captures the art of filmmaking. Um, the behind the scenes material is really, really great. So I wish that people weren't going to embrace, you know, what unfolds on screen contextually, that they would embrace what happens behind the scenes more. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so that is the last Jedi from the perspective of records of the Republic, very varying, um, viewpoints, opinions, very opinionated opinions, uh, just like buttholes. Everyone's got one and sometimes they're stinky, but, I think it was a fun episode. I think we kind of got to dive in and kind of see uh, a, a good variety of opinions, very different opinions at different times. Um, fun episode. Guys, make sure to fill out your Bad Batch bingo cards. We will be posting that on Twitter this weekend so you guys can download it onto your phone or computer, fill it out, turn it into us. We're really excited to do Bad Batch bingo. Uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to us, and reach out to us. Keep talking to us because we love it. Man, today was so much fun for me. Uh, you guys got me through my work day. You have no idea. It was the first rough day I've had in months, and it was so much more uh, enjoyable because of the the conversations that I had with you guys. So continue hitting us up on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Reddit. Uh, let's see what else. TikTok, all records of the Republic. Uh, you can also send us an email at records of the Republic at gmail.com. If you have any questions or topics that you want to cover, or if you just want to talk Star Wars, make sure to reach out to us. As always, remember, may the force be with you 
And remember, this is the way.